From WGCU News, this is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. There's a movement underway to pass an amendment to Florida's Constitution that would create a fundamental right to clean and healthy waters in the state. If it makes it to the ballot and is passed by voters during the 2024 election, the right to clean water amendment could be used to sue state executive agencies for harm or threatened harm to Florida's waters and aquatic ecosystems. The amendment is sponsored by FloridaRightToCleanWater.org. It's an outgrowth of what's called the Florida Rights of Nature Network. They're working to collect signatures now. They need 891,589 signatures to be verified by February 1st of next year, but are hoping to be done collecting signatures by the end of this year. Put simply, if passed, the Right to Clean Water Amendment would create a fundamental right to clean and healthy waters and clarify prohibited actions and inactions that harm or threaten harm to waters here in Florida. To learn more about this proposed amendment, I spoke earlier today with one of the people working Working to get the word out about it. Let's hear that conversation now. Joe Benazia is chair and Southwest Florida Regional Director of the Florida Rights of Nature Network and a board member of Southwest Florida Reset. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Pleasure to be here. So for starters, just tell us a bit about yourself and your background and how you wound up being engaged in environmental issues. Sure. I am a retired teacher. I moved down to Cape Coral back in 2016. And I originally lived up on uh, Long Island, for the better part of my life, spent a lot of time looking at the Atlantic Ocean, Long Island Sound, never experienced anything like I saw down here with uh, red tides and blue-green algae blooms. And it was around 2018, 2019, I heard about a workshop locally about rights of nature. That concept immediately resonated with me. I got involved, and I have been involved with Florida Rights of Nature Network since then. Hmm. Yeah, if you moved in 2016 to uh, Cape Coral, then you got to see the thick of it because then in 2018 and some of 2019 is when we had that big blue-green algae and red tide event that went on for like almost a year. Yes. Uh, Historic state emergency was declared. Uh, Tens of thousands of tons of dead sea life had to be hauled away. People got sick. Yes, that was absolutely eye-opening for me and for a lot of other people. So tell us about the Florida Rights of Nature Network and how it fits into this effort to get the constitutional amendment on the ballot. Sure. Florida Rights of Nature Network was established in 2019. At that time, we had a number of local initiatives around the state working to give rights to nature, such as what happened in Orange County where they gave all their waterways the right to exist, flow, be free of pollution. It was in 2020 that uh, those voters did something historic. They passed a rights of nature, right to clean water charter amendment. The state stepped in, state legislature stepped in. They preempted the authority of local governments to do that. That pretty quickly snuffed out all our local efforts And it was then that our board decided, okay, now we have to step this up. And we decided we would work to amend the state constitution, giving all Floridians a fundamental right to clean water. It's no longer a rights of nature amendment, strictly a human right to clean water. In order to do that, we had to establish a political committee. That is FloridaRightToCleanWater.org. 
And that's the force behind the effort to get the amendment on the ballot. Correct. Um, you know, back in 2019, we talked on this show about the Rights of Nature movement. It was the first time it had come across my, my um, brain, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, they were working on the Caloosahatchee River Bill of Rights movement. So that's sort of similar to this. This is, this is a furtherance of, of that effort um, that's going to be statewide trying to amend the Constitution. It's an outgrowth of that uh, because, as I said, well, that was – uh, very much a rights of nature mm-hmm. bill. We want to give rights to Caloosahatchee, as has been done in other uh, to other waterways globally. An effort up in uh, Lake Erie a number of years ago, the Lake Erie Bill of Rights. We were looking to do something along those lines. Again, uh, this is an outgrowth. If you are going to amend the state constitution, you must have a very narrow focus on one subject. If we wanted to get an amendment like the one in Orange County that was both a rights of nature and right to clean water amendment, the Florida Supreme Court would reject that because it violates a sing- the single subject rule. So one step at a time. First, a fundamental right to clean water for Floridians. And then we have our eyes in the future sometime um, for a rights of nature uh, effort, as is that's truly the vanguard of environmental uh, efforts globally. Um, so the initiative for this amendment was approved for circulation on April 22nd. So it's been, you know, almost three months now. Explain what the amendment is and what it will do, and then we'll kind of break down some of the provisions of it and what some of the language means. Okay, just to be clear, that was on Earth Day, not this past one. Oh, but April previous... t- 2022. Yeah, yes. sorry, so, I misread that. That's so, okay. So it's been uh, over a year. Okay. All right. Well, so explain it then. Sure. Okay. This amendment establishes a fundamental right to clean and healthy waters for all Floridians. The key word there is fundamental because there are different levels of rights. The highest ones are fundamental rights, like the fundamental right to uh, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, uh, free press. When push comes to shove in a court of law, this fundamental right would take precedence over the permitted rights that our state gives to polluters to pollute or degrade our waterways or aquatic ecosystems. Also, technically, it means something legally the courts. If there is a threat to a fundamental right, the court must exercise strict scrutiny. It must look at this as deeply as it possibly can to guarantee that there is no violation of the people's fundamental rights. The second part of this is that it enables us to uh, hold our state executive branch accountable when it permits pollution or degradation of our waters through its actions or its inactions. Uh, Two quick examples of of, of both. Um, An example of it harming our waters through action. Recently, it passed legislation enabling potential use of toxic radioactive phosphogypsum in road construction. Right now, it's a study. EPA already says that that will, besides presenting harm to humans, negatively impact our surface and ground waters. This amendment could stop um, that legislation if we had it. The other thing, inaction uh, across the state. There are basin management action plans that should have been established and it should have been enforced. That's not happening. 
our amendment can help make that happen. Um, when you say um, state executive agency, I don't want people to think you're talking about the governor's office. Can you explain, like, this is, we're talking about, like, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission and agencies like that, right? Right. The uh, Department of Environmental Protection, the water management districts. Um, so this will allow individuals to sue state agencies if they harm clean water or if they are inactive in keeping water clean. Is that a way to put it? Correct. It does not allow us to go and, and file a lawsuit against a corporation or against local government or even against the legislature. Very narrowly focused, again, to make sure we don't violate that state single subject rule. Are those sorts of lawsuits currently allowed or possible, or is this opening up a new kind of way of suing an agency if it passes? This provides a higher level of legal action. Currently, in our Constitution, we have an Environmental Protection Act, and it says that citizens and citizen groups can file lawsuits when harm is being committed to our waterways and such. Up until the point that the polluter is acting with a state-issued permit, then that's it. So there are still lots of applications for a lot of the laws that are already on the books. But when they cease to be enough, that's where this amendment steps in, comes in. Can you break down one of the words in the uh, amendment language? And I guess, you know, I, I would like to read the summary here just to put it out there. This is the official summary. This amendment creates a fundamental right to clean and healthy waters. The amendment may be used to sue state executive agencies for harm or threatened harm to Florida waters, which include aquatic ecosystems. This amendment defines terms, identifies affected constitutional provisions in Article 4 governing the executive branch, provides for civil action enforcement, allows attorneys and expert witnesses fees to prevailing plaintiffs and provides equitable remedies, including restoration of waters. Harm. Can you explain what's meant by harm under the context of this amendment? Well, there is a definition. Harm means the introduction of pathogens, contaminants, or toxins into waters or the disruption of natural, hydrological, or ecological processes or functions of waters. The term includes, but is not limited to, such chemical, biological, or physical stresses to waters that contribute to unnatural water levels or nutrient loads, that remove, fragment, or degrade habitat of native fish or wildlife, that disturb vegetation or soil near the edge of waters, that introduce exotic or invasive species, that obstruct or divert natural flow, that overexploit native species, and that negatively affect the health of humans or of native fish or wildlife. So it's pretty broad. It's a de well, pretty broad. It is a definition that looks to science to determine what is going to uh, constitute harm to waters. If there were a lawsuit filed, it would go to the court, and both sides would present their information, scientific information. We would have to show scientifically, that these harms are being done to our waterways. If we cannot establish that, then we don't win the case. If we can, then we would most likely win. I would never say we always would, but the court most likely would compel 
the DEP or whatever the other state agency is to take appropriate action. Nobody walks away with a pot of money. As you read, this is about providing remedies to our waterways to clean them up, to heal them. How is it determined, um, you know, what is the most appropriate remedy to do it properly? You know what I mean? It's like, because, you know, the state agencies, they come up with plans. It seems like they don't necessarily work very well because we clearly have water issues all mm-hmm. across the state. Um, you know, if you sue um, a state agency for inaction, how is it determined what is proper action henceforth? The science would dictate that. Gotcha. In a lot of cases, the state knows what it has to do. It's just failing to do it. I'll give you a concrete example. When Governor DeSantis uh, was first elected into office, and this was during the right after the 2018-2019 blue-green algae blooms and red tides, he formed his blue-green algae task force. They got scientists, uh, the Florida's best and brightest scientists about water quality. They came up with 32 very specific recommendations for the state to follow. After four years, 12% of those recommendations have been implemented. We know what to do. The state isn't doing it. We need a legal tool to compel them to do what they know they should do. I would like to take a moment to reintroduce my guest. Joseph Benazia is chair and Southwest Florida Regional Director of the Florida Rights of Nature Network. They're working to get an amendment to Florida's constitution on the ballot for the 2024 election that would create a fundamental right to clean and healthy waters here in Florida if they collect enough signatures and make it to the ballot. And then it's passed by voters. It would take 60 percent, right? Yep. Um, During the 2024 election, the right to clean water amendment would empower people to sue state executive agencies for harm or threatened harm to Florida waters and aquatic ecosystems. If you'd like to engage with the show about today's topic or any of our episodes, please do so using WGCU social media. We're on Facebook and we're on Twitter or X now. Um, What are the mechanics of getting it on the ballot? Like, let's talk sort of the nuts and bolts. Um, So you've had the ability to collect signatures since April 22nd of 2022, because I got that wrong earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, And you need something on the order of 891,000 signatures. Um, How many signatures have you collected so far? And, you know, other than doing interviews like this, what are your outreach efforts looking like? So uh, we have collected approximately 80,000 signed petitions. Those aren't verified. Those are collected. Verified petition numbers would be lower. Um, They're generated by supervisor of election offices, and they have 60 days to verify, so their numbers are going to be less. Um, 80,000, that means we still have 800,000 to collect. It certainly is a big hill to climb. Uh, We are gaining steam. Uh, More and more supporting organizations are coming on board in a big way, such as most recently in their August issue. That goes out to 180,000 people. Coastal Angler Magazine uh, not only ran an article about our amendment, but it provided the amendment in their their issue for folks to fill out, tear out, and and mail in. Uh, A local publication down here in southwest Florida. Nautical Mile is going to be doing the same thing in its September issue. Besides doing radio interviews like this, how are we doing our outreach? The social media, uh, we've gotten good press coverage, but we are relying a lot on supporting organizations to help us. Organizations such as Friends of the Everglades or VoteWater.org, 
Florida legal women voters are out there, um, boots on the ground, going out collecting petitions. The other organizations like VoteWater.org, uh, besides providing very passionate endorsements of the amendment, are telling all their followers, go to the website, print out the petition, sign it, and mail it in. Have you gotten any support from any businesses, industries, uh, elected officials, local governments, anybody like that on board? We have a whole bunch of uh, businesses that support us. If you were to go onto our website, you'd find we have over 200 organizations, combination of environmental and business and even some governmental that support us in one way or another. So they're not surprising. There's a lot of uh, marine-based businesses, tackle shops, bait shops, uh, charter boat captains, that sort of thing that are getting on board. We have uh, several government endorsements. Uh, back on Valentine's Day, uh, they did that purposely, I think, uh, Alachua County uh, Commission came out with an official endorsement. Gulfport uh, City Council recently did an official resolution, as did uh, North Bay Village over on the southeast coast. Um, you need 891,000 signatures, and the deadline is going to be February 1st of this next year. Uh, more practically speaking, we have until the end of this year to because get those. Because they, then they have to have them all verified. The signatures, or at least some percentage of the signatures, have to be verified by supervisors of elections. And then it would wind up on the ballot for the November 2024 right. election. So the challenge undoubtedly is qualifying it for the ballot. Once it's on the ballot, Floridians are going to pass this overwhelmingly. There's a history of that in this state. But getting it on the ballot, that's uh, unless you've got millions and millions of dollars to go the paid petition collector route. It is an it's a exceedingly difficult task. The last time a successful grassroots effort succeeded at this was back in 1994, when uh, they had the um, the the net ban. Mm-hmm. The gill net ban. The gill net ban. I remember that. Yes. So, in uh, 20 anyway, Amendment Four was passed by Florida voters. It was written to be. I mean, I, we talked on this show to the people who wrote it. Their understanding is that it would be self-implementing. It turned out to not be, and then Florida legislature got involved, and that's still an issue that's being resolved. You know, four years later, um, this ballot language has two clauses in it that specifically in no uncertain terms say this is self-executing and that it's effective immediately, right? Yes. Do you feel like that's um, going to, if it, if it passes, do you feel like that's going to be strong enough to prevent efforts to keep it from being self-executing, which seems like there would probably at least be an effort to do that? Well, the very, very smart people who wrote this language, and it took a long time to craft a language for this because it was anticipated that the legislature would do whatever it could to undermine the intent of the amendment. Not only is it self-executing, it's indefeasible. It cannot be compromised or altered or ignored by the state legislature. It doesn't need the legislature to implement any uh, legislation to get it going. The moment voters pass it, it's law, 
it's effective. I would, again, I would never say never, but it's virtually impossible for the legislature to do to this amendment what they have done to other citizens' initiatives. Is there any um, organized or obvious pushback against this that you've seen um, from the legislature or from industries that are against it? I mean, is there a movement to talk poorly about what this means? We haven't seen that. I couldn't that find anything from no. you know, Googling. Um, if we qualify and we get on the ballot, uh, I think you can rest assured that's when we would see a very concerted effort on behalf of those industries who do not want the people of Florida to have this right. Um, one of the criticisms that it might get is that it has a fiscal implication. Can you explain whether there are fiscal implications for this? If it passes, then suddenly it puts taxpayers on the hook for dollars or something like that. Well, this is a concern that we get from people. Um, how is this going to affect uh, you know, my wallet? Aren't my taxes going to go up? Consider how much Floridians are paying for polluted waterways right now. The governor recently signed into law an environmental package worth $3.5 billion to clean up pollution that mostly has come from industries. There is some contribution uh, by homeowners and stuff with you know, uh, septic tanks and such, but for the most part, it's industries. That $3.5 billion is taxpayer dollars. And the cost to local economies down here in 2018, 2019, our red tide alone cost our local economy 184 million, tourist economy $184 million. Could there be a fiscal impact initially? There might be, but it would be short-lived. In the long run, this is going to save Floridians money because polluted water costs money. Clean water has no uh, you know, fiscal impact. If anything, you know, our economy runs on clean water. People don't come down here to fish when we have dead zones. They don't come down here to look at guacamole-looking, uh, you know, waterways and stuff. Um, Orange County passed it in 2020, you said. So yep. we've got about three years of, of, you know, data to look at. I mean, has there been any um, unexpected consequences of that passage up there? Um, or has it been implemented in ways that you can point to? It has not been, well, there's only one lawsuit that entailed from that. That law is no longer effective, at least practically speaking, in the eyes of lots of local governments. As I said earlier, they're not going to go up against the state uh, preemption. However, shortly after the people passed that up in Orange County, a developer applied for a permit to build in wetlands. The development would destroy 116 acres of wetlands, a very obvious violation of that rights of nature, right to clean water charter amendment. A citizen, and for the first time in the history of this nation, five bodies of water serving as plaintiffs filed a lawsuit contesting a file a lawsuit to prevent a developer uh, from developing and prevent the DEP from issuing that permit. The developer and the DEP asked the court to dismiss the lawsuit, and that's what the court did. Hmm. The judge said, you guys have made a passionate argument on behalf of the waters, but the fact is 
the state government, the legislature, has the power to preempt your authority to pass such laws. That lawsuit uh, is being, well, that decision is being appealed. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. That could take a long time. In the meantime, we're pursuing an amendment to the state constitution. And just to clarify, we've touched on it a couple times, but back in 2020, Florida legislature passed SB 712. That was the Clean Waterways Act. And there was actually a, a provision written in it that literally was called rights of nature that said, the bill prohibits local governments from providing legal rights to any plant, animal, body of water, or other part of the natural environment unless otherwise specifically authorized by state law or state constitution. So that in some ways has directed how this amendment has been crafted in order to make sure it won't go straight up against that language. Is that yes. right? There's actually an additional sentence to that provision, that preemption. Not only did they preempt the authority to pass rights of nature laws, they preempted the authority of local governments to pass any laws giving citizens any rights to any aspect of the natural world. I don't know if this is within the scope of what you know, but is that something – I've never heard of that before. Is that something that we're seeing in other places around the country or is this like Florida striking out into new territory and prohibiting that? Well, rights of nature laws have been struck down elsewhere in the country. The most notable case is the one I mentioned earlier, the Lake Erie Bill of Rights. Uh, that state leg legislature acted very quickly to preempt that. Uh, Lake Erie Bill of Rights law. As far as preempting the right of local governments to pass rights to clean water, I don't know of them. But there is something very interesting here to bring to uh, listeners' attentions. Up in Titusville this past election, those voters passed a right to clean water uh, amendment. Their own city government filed a lawsuit to prevent that from taking effect. The court has already ruled. They said the people's decision stands. The city's not giving up. <laughs> they, they do not want the people to have this right. In both cases, this one in Orange County, it shows just how fearful governments and special interests are about a rights-based approach to environmental protection. They would not have acted. They would not have preempted these laws if they thought that this approach was going to be ineffective. Um, as I was driving in this morning, there was a story on Morning Edition about a lawsuit in Montana filed by 16 young people, which claims that Montana officials violated their constitutional right to a clean and healthy environment um, because Montana passed a constitutional amendment 51 years ago. Um, this is, if not analogous, this is sort of adjacent to what we're talking about here, right? Absolutely applicable. It, it is important to note that there have been other climate lawsuits, none of which so far have succeeded. This one did because it was based on those constitutional environmental rights. So there was a law on the books, this is what the case was about, that prevented their state agencies from considering environmental impacts when permitting fossil fuel operations. So here we have climate change, climate crisis, as bad as it is. They've got that law in the books. These 16 young Montanans said, that's a violation 
of our constitutional rights. The judge agreed. And that law now is going to be you know, negated. Down here with our laws, the same thing would happen. They pass a law or there's inaction. We say, uh, violation of our fundament fundamental rights. The court takes a look at it, thinks about it, and renders a decision. And we think it'll come down uh, in favor of the people's fundamental rights. Um, well, we're basically out of time. So just remind people how they can learn more or become involved in what you're doing. Sure. They should go to floridarighttocleanwater.org, where they can read the entire text of the amendment, print out the petition, sign it, and mail it in. They can look at our FAQs. Uh, there's lots and lots of information on the website. It's a wealth of information, but that's the starting point, floridarighttocleanwater.org. All right. That is uh, Joe Benazia. He is chair and Southwest Florida Regional Director of the Florida Rights of Nature Network. Joe, thank you for your time and for helping us understand this uh, amendment. Mike, my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me here. If you missed any of the show today, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org gcl, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.